1: Reality TV. We're half up for episode four of season eight of The Amazing Race Canada. Yes, it is me, Jessica Leese, and I'm here to untie the knot of everything that happened this week because, boy, well, let me tell you, there was a lot, and we have a lot of things to unpack, a lot of stuff to paddle through, I suppose. Um, there are many metaphors we could be belaboring that we pull from this leg that happened in Canmore, Alberta. But instead of, instead of filibustering about this any further, let me just raise my can of guru energy to my co-host, Mr. Dan Heaton. Hello, Dan.
3: Hello. Um, I hope that, that we're able to give this the correct, you know, appropriate um, podcast it deserves. We're not going to be naughty during this podcast. That's all I will say. So we'll try not to do that.
1: Oh, we're always naughty, Dan.
3: (laughs) That's why people listen.
1: That's why people listen,
3: dude. Oh, man. What a week. You know, it's one of those weird things where it's like, we could probably do like an hour just on the first 34 seconds, (laughs) which is why I timed it because I wanted to, it felt short. Or do like the, the episode, which had a bunch of, tasks that they did um in pretty locations so there's a lot to
1: cover jazz yeah there's a, a definitely a lot to unpack here we'll have to navigate the rapids of this of this leg um but yeah let's let's just talk about those 34 seconds then i think that's maybe the best place to jump in so i think this was on our list of things that we had suspected might be afoot when we saw that teams were coming back and Dan, how surprised were you?
3: I wasn't surprised that there was a team. I thought a team may have to drop out because I figured, you know, kind of that you have a team drops out then maybe the other two compete or something. And they said, Dennis and Drell, like that was one that I thought maybe, I don't know why might be a case. And then they just kept going. And I was like, courted out Catherine and Craig. What? no, but, um, I mean, nothing against Court Alley or Dennis and Durrell. I like both teams a lot. Um, you know, here's something interesting. One is that John, they blew through this. Like, I mentioned 34 seconds, but, you know, John says health and safety are the utmost importance, and I believe that that is true. I think when you do a show like this, it has to be that way. But here's something, Jess, that really stuck out at me. Here's a phrase John used. He mentioned the three teams, and he said, are unable to continue at this time due to COVID. Mm. He did not say, and I have no knowledge, I'm just, he did not say, are unable to continue and have been removed from the race. We hope to see them again in the future. He said, at this time. Now, is it too crazy to put on my conspiracy theory hat? Is it too crazy to think, I don't think it'll be next week, but that they could, like, come back? I don't know. I mean, and that three teams, I assume someone on each team tested positive. I don't want to get too far into the COVID side of it, but I'm just saying that, um, let's a couple legs, but would that just, how do you even do that competitively? Though I say this knowing that Australia did bring in teams that hadn't even started the race well into the race, but that's kind of a weird animal itself that season.
1: Yeah. I don't think you can compare amazing race Australia to pretty much anything because that (laughs) one, it went on for 32 years and had um, (laughs) 9,000 legs and every single man, woman, and child in Australia eventually participated in that race. So, it's kind of a strange animal in that regard, almost as long as your average episode of amazing race, Australia. Um, Oh yeah. It's very, it brings to mind, like, you know, it's very close to amazing race, Israel in that regard. Um, So yeah, I don't think it's that, but you're right, Dan, that was some weird wording, but how though, and why though, and how could that happen? Like I, everything we know about COVID just says that, you know, I I don't know how they do it in Canada. I assume they're like at least as careful, if not more careful, than they are here in the States. But typically down here, if you test positive for COVID, you gotta quarantine for ten days. And ten days from now, it kind of feels like the race will be almost over. Like we yeah. figure like two days per leg. It's, it's not easy. enough time. It's not enough you time. Know,
3: what's also weird is you would think. Um, and I guess I getting a little bit of the COVID thing, but if you, um, if three teams, if someone on three teams tested positive, wouldn't they shut down the show for like, and like multiple days? Because you got to make sure that other teams that just haven't, you know, three, two, three days further in the road or or someone in the production or whatever. I was wondering while watching this, if this took place, plus you got to bring in the other teams, which granted they might've been traveling to do like we talked about last week, extra tasks but
1: maybe not they could have been shutting this down for like five something. yeah the thing that might might have happened here maybe nobody tested positive for covid but maybe they had a known exposure so uh, you know in the new york city public school system there was a period of time like in december ish where if somebody in the class had been exposed to somebody who tested positive for COVID, the whole class had to quarantine. And so we ended up having to do some remote learning days, like right before the winter holiday break, uh, due to the fact that somebody, like one of the teachers at the school had been in the classroom and then tested positive. So maybe it's a case that like, one of the camera people tested positive or somebody at a task tested positive. Is there anything like in the previous leg? I don't know how we'd have to go back and watch the episode to be sure, but like maybe it was like they did, they did half of a detour and were exposed to a person in town who got COVID. And so they've been exposed and they have to quarantine. And then once they test negative enough times, they come back. That's a possibility. The only other thing I can think of is that maybe they, maybe everybody tests every day, which I would say is a completely rational precaution on a production like this. And maybe it's, maybe it's as simple as like everybody's testing every day. And so they don't have to shut down production if it's just those three or something.
3: I don't it know. It could be. I'm sure they came up with protocols before the season started because they had to know this was a possibility. But, and I th- assume maybe even they had come up with the idea that if teams had to drop out, they might, at a certain point in the race, they're not going to do it at the final three or something. But at a certain point of the race, they would bring teams back. But, man, I mean, it's, because the U.S. is even different. Because the obvious precedent, or comparison, I guess the better term, is the U.S. season where they shut down because they had started filming. But that was different because teams couldn't come back. But a lot of them, it wasn't about they got COVID during the show or got, it was about, oh, their life was different two years later. <laughs> so even though they brought teams back, this still feels different to me because this was like while they were running the race, they had to do a lot of things on the fly and probably decided too with one fewer team, they may have even added a non-elimination here um, right here because. It made sense because they have to have an extra
1: episode too. Yeah, I didn't even question that. Like, I assumed that was what was up, but. The thing I got to wonder now, Dan, and this is kind of dark, but maybe this is just how the amazing race is going to be forever now. Like maybe it's just a thing where you sign up to go on the amazing race and you are signing up for the possibility that it's at any point during the race, you could be arbitrarily removed because you get COVID. It's just like, that's just another, it's another obstacle that you have to overcome in order to win the amazing race. And it's one that you can't control. And that could just come for you at any time. And so they're just going to have to take precautions about this forever. Like maybe this is just from now on all the eliminated teams race with everybody. Like they're traveling with everybody just in case somebody drops out due to COVID. Like maybe that's just how it is now. Like forever. Now somebody's going to drop out due to COVID every race forever.
3: It could be. And I don't want to spoil because I have only read a little info and I won't say what happened, but I know that the next season of Australia has some, Different kinds of challenges that, that come up. So I know it's gonna just using these two examples of shows that have been filming this year or around this year, um, at least in the near future. Especially with us wanting to do two seasons, I mean, not wanting to do. I know they have obviously probably filmed already for the fall, but doing two seasons this year, you have to think that if nothing else, it's gonna dramatically cha- having this happen might change in the future the type of tasks they do and where they go because they might even have to be. Okay, maybe we don't want to do a workout task with all the people in Fernie. I'm not saying that's where it's happened. I'm just throwing that as an example. They may even want to be more cautious with what they do on the show.
1: Yeah, a shout out to our listener, John, um, who gave directions to Catherine and Craig two legs ago, and he said, I I swear I didn't give them COVID. And it's like, (laughs) well, I hope they didn't give you COVID, dude.
3: Yes, I enjoyed that because he had been been just last week, Mm -hmm. talked about how he had given them directions and he jumped in. He said, I did not, to my knowledge, have COVID when I met Craig. (laughs) And I would never have even thought that, John. That was not that wasn't my first thought. Like, oh, I know what happened. It was John.
1: No, but um, I I don't think he would have told us that he met them if if he had thought at all that he'd given them COVID. He's like, Oh, no, I,
3: I, I ruined it. No, but seriously, I do want to take a moment just to say, though, I, I, I know I said, well, maybe they could come back or something, but that's all speculation. I have no idea. I feel bad for the teams, though. Man, that just has to be so tough. Um, I mean, I hope they're all, I assume everyone is healthy. And, you know, as far as I know, and I hope that's the biggest thing is obviously that everybody was healthy. But then beyond that, just them not being able. And the show just. Very quickly moving through it. I don't know what I expected if they would do an interview at the end or do anything, but it was a super quick, you know. These teams were unfortunately not able to make it. And I don't know how much time they should have spent, but it did feel a little quick to me where I almost was like, Wait, what? What happened? You know, and all of a sudden we were doing the show. And I don't know, I guess you can pause it and whatever, but still it was it was something to see those teams um who had brought so much. I mean, we were Catherine and Craig, and I don't want to just use them because I really enjoyed all three teams and just, oh, it's too bad. Jess.
1: I mean, the other two teams were fine, Dan, like they were great people. I'm, they definitely brought plenty to the race, but you got to admit they were kind of purple. And I feel like <laughs> Catherine and Craig are the they feel like the biggest loss here. And I think there's probably much more we could have seen out of Denison Durrell and Courtney Alley. But Honestly, like the show, it felt like the show really tried to downplay their involvement in the race as much as possible so that we didn't feel that loss quite as badly. Uh, There was a lot I noticed here that I felt like they were they were kind of building on how Amazing Race U.S. handled similar ish circumstances. I think they're was quite a bit that they looked at in terms of gameplay. Like what happens if we do lose somebody in the middle of the race, how can we handle that? And they pretty much handled it exactly the same way that amazing race U S handled this when teams were unable to come back. Um, In including the fact that they had a speed bump and amazing race, Canada very smartly said, well, we on amazing race U S we watched a team go out and nobody had any clue why they did as badly as they did on their comeback. And it turns out it's because of an unaired speed bump. So let's make sure we air that speed bump so that if one of those teams is in last place, that's how, you know, so, yeah, yeah, I, and I think just the mere fact of like having the other teams kind of on call after they've been eliminated is something that I think they saw the success of that on amazing race U S and realized that that was an option for them.
3: Yeah, I think we're in a different world now as far as just the COVID world where you don't have, I mean, you don't see a situation where people like either contestants or viewers or fans where at some point might've been like, that's unfair. They were eliminated. Now I think there's a real sense like everybody's like, this is good. I mean, I'm sure people might've, oh, that's too bad. But I think this early in the race, Teams are like they like they're, they're OK with the other teams coming back. And the show, I'm sure, set that up. And I agree with you about the speed bump, though, because I remember on the US, those teams were doing fine, like we're up there. And all of a sudden they were like last and second last. And I was like, did they get lost? Like before I knew about the speed bump, I was really confused. I felt bad for, you know, Michael and Mo. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, but I, it made a lot more sense once um we saw those pictures and everything. And we're like, oh, and that it didn't make like the show almost wanted us to not think about it. But I had this thought like, well, maybe they should have had to do something extra. And granted here, the speed bump did not look hard and that's okay. I didn't want them to be completely destroyed by it. As you saw, not the two last teams. One of them was there, but it was not because of that, but it at least made sure they weren't going to like come back and win the race or win the leg. Probably they were going to at least have to fight pretty hard.
1: Yeah. And also there's not a lot of complicated speed bump. You can set up on short notice, Dan. I thought this was a really clever thing to add in. Like it fit very seamlessly into the framework of the rest of the race. And I have to give them props for coming up with that, like seemingly on the fly.
3: Yeah, I agree because I think that you could tell the fact that they were already doing the whitewater rafting and they were like, um, well, we can have them inflate their rafts rather than just get it handed a raft, which probably took, you know, assuming teams didn't forget the outfits like, um, and Kathy did or outfits probably isn't the right term, (laughs) but forget the clothes, the safety gear. Is a better way to put it. Um, it's, outfits makes it sound like they're just like playing characters and they mean nothing. No, this is important. They need the life jackets, everything. But essentially, it probably took 15 minutes or so. And that's usually a speed bump you want. You want it to be probably no more than a half hour and you don't want it to be two minutes. So it's somewhere kind of in that range. And as you saw, those teams still, <laughs> Cedric and Deshaun still were not very good at the rafting. So those teams were like, yeah, we're going to pass them. That's not going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. Although the rafting is not going to be like, I've never seen a rafting task be the thing that eliminates a team. I mean, we've seen people comically forget certain elements of it or, you know, stumble across it before they were supposed to, like before they grabbed the clue box. Like we've seen that happen, but I've never seen anybody have so much trouble with the rafting task that it actually messes them up at all.
3: No, no. I mean, we, you know, Terry and Ian, um, Did some comically fun smashes into the water, like, you know, not into rocks, into the water, which I enjoyed. But overall, you even saw Fernella. I'm not sure they really knew knew how no shade on Fernella, but they knew how to really steer. But it was going so fast, they were just like, oh, we're going down the water. Because really, if the rapids are fast enough, as long as you just kind of keep your balance and don't do anything crazy, you may kind of veer around. But um, you're not going you're going to make it there eventually. And you have a guide, too, who's not going to let you completely <laughs> do something terrible. So, yeah, I think that was more like something that just kind of looks looks sort of cool to show, but not that much of an impact compared to
1: something like trying to tie a knot. Right. The fact that there's a third human in the boat with them and it's someone who is an expert in the field means that there's not much that they themselves are going to be called upon to do. Yes. Should we jump back
3: though, to the beginning of the leg with everyone's favorite time express pass handing out. (laughs) Okay. I got to ask you, what do you think about um, because I I call BS on this and I'm not trying to be really mean to the counter, but I'm curious for your thoughts on, they chose the teams because of character. What do you think about this jets?
1: Oh, I'm so sick of like deserving as a rubric for reality television. Um, I, I really feel like they don't need to justify it to us. Like I don't need some kind of moralizing, speech about why somebody got an express pass over somebody else it just feels it It feels reductive and it feels cheap and it feels like it's kind of hurtful to other teams i just they can just say we're giving the express pass to these people because we like them better that's fine it's okay to like people better really you don't have to make it part of like some higher purpose you know it's it's a it's an advantage in a game. It's a piece of paper. You know, it's not going to get you points to get into heaven or whatever.
3: You are not worthy of the express pass because you don't meet these weird qualifications. We've determined in the last five minutes.
1: Yeah. It's also super passive aggressive on Beverly yeah. and Veronica, which, you know, we didn't, they didn't have their best leg. And there were definitely some moments in this episode that were not terribly flattering on them, but it felt like it was almost they were less giving the express pass to other teams as they were not giving it to them.
3: I agree. And I think, too, and again, Beverly and Veronica, this is the first time we've seen them struggle. And, yeah, they said, oh, the slow teams are passing us and I'm like, Yeah, OK. But they were very frustrated and and it means a lot to them to do well. But my theory is, I mean, sure, they I think. Jesse, Marika, Franella, both they all seem like really nice people. And I totally get, yeah, like you said, you like them, you hand it off. But I think, too, they this might just be me. Beverly and Veronica killed the first three legs of this race. And I think the main reason they didn't give it to them is they thought they were a bigger threat. That's just my thought. But I could be wrong, because Jesse and Marika all did very well. So it could just be either way. But I do feel like they may have been a little nervous. To get, And actually, this leg, if they had had it, They would have used it this time. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of results oriented thinking, but you know, you're absolutely right about this, Dan, and that's a better reason than character. That's also a better reason. You know, it's just like, we think you guys don't need this and we are a little afraid that you might use it to best us. And these people are less likely to do that. That is totally fine too. And it makes more sense and is less personal. I just don't understand why they have to bring character into it.
3: And I, I'm not hundred percent. I mean, if, if I mean, whichever reason they want to use, it's all kind of arbitrary, but I will say if you hand express passes, like we talked about, they handed them out to two teams, neither team used them. So where, if they had handed them out earlier, they might, but now we have a situation where, yes, we still have all the seven teams, but well, where where two other teams have express passes because you gave it to fairly strong teams.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know.
3: I don't know strategically if this was a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's the express pass of Damocles now. Like it's just <laughs> hanging out up there. It's going to drop on you at some point, and you better hope that you're not in the back of the pack when that happens. And they
3: haven't been really yet. But as we saw with Beverly and Veronica, I mean, you you get a you're going to get some tasks that you might not think, I mean, is the hardest, but it could ever, we've seen plenty of teams that looked great in the first four legs, like, and then they just fall apart in one task. I mean, there's been teams that dominate and don't make the end. So I'm not saying that's the case with Brendan I think they still are very likely to make it, but especially given that they also have an express pass, but um, you never
1: know, something could happen. Yeah, I, it's the nature of the race. It's unpredictable. You could hit a task that completely trips you up, you could get exposed to COVID and get kicked the F out. You know, you never know what's going to happen on this race.
3: Yeah, completely. All right. Well, so they did all that. We, we kind of talked about how then they went to go canoe and there was the speed bump of pumping up the canoe. And, um, I think, I think we're up to the point we can talk about the roadblock or unless you have something else before that, that we need to talk about, about go with the flow or let's get pumped. They got lots of names this
1: week, lots of titles yeah but any of those before the roadblock I, I I think the fact that you mentioned them is about the most interesting thing about them.
3: So do you think diamonds are forever? I was thinking we had a James Bond thing coming, but no, no James Bond. They're going to do a diamond hitch knot, which let me tell you, I would never finish that. I would take the penalty. I could barely tie my shoes well. I would, I would never get through this. Jess. so you weren't a boy scout, Dan. No, I did Cub Scouts for a few years, but you know, that's like easy stuff. You get badges for doing nothing. I, I never went into Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. Oh my goodness. Boy Scouts. See, I can't even say it right. Jess. That's how, (laughs) that's how much I didn't do it. There are things that I I feel like the show has become all the things I can't do, but there's been a lot this season. I don't know what's going on, but this one would be very hard for me.
1: Yeah. Okay. Shout out to amazing race Canada season eight for not casting Dan Heaton. I think you did him a solid here. (laughs)
3: I would be taking a penalty. We did hear this was the first instance of the season of someone saying the phrase take a penalty when that was thought of by Veronica and Beverly, but they did not. But beyond that, this looked pretty challenging.
1: Yeah, it it looked like it looked like it's one of those things where you think in theory you can watch somebody like put this rope over this rope and pull this rope through this rope. But I bet there's like at least one part of that where it's just like the demonstrator does something with their hands. And you just look at it and it's like, you have no idea what they just did and you could watch it a million times and you still wouldn't know.
3: Yeah. That was the case I think with Beverly where she even kept saying like, I, I kind of get it, but there's that one part and everybody seemed to have one part in a similar place. Like I even watched it and everyone seemed to be able to wrap wrap the knot around the simulated horse as it was called. And <laughs> basically, and then there was a point where all the knots were together and I was watching it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I mean, so again, watching on TV, not the same as in person, but, um, no T I mean, besides Brendan was able to get it pretty easily, but everybody else, I mean, at least had some challenges with doing it. Um, I mean, Jesse did pretty well. Um, but most of the people, it took a while.
1: Yeah. And I like these ones that are deceptively hard. Uh, where you think oh it's just tie a knot on a simulated horse how hard can that be and then it's just it's almost it's like the season one lentils where it's like oh you dig a stuffed toy out of a bin of lentils that's not hard but then it turns out to like almost kill people um (laughs) so i and take a penalty it continues to slay me that in canada And I I 100% chalk this up to the fact that they are so into hockey. Take a penalty does not have the same horrible negative connotations that it does down here in the Protestant work ethic plagued U.S. where it's like if you quit, you die. So in Canada, they're like, we're not going to quit the task. We're going to take a penalty. It's a different thing.
3: Yeah. And we saw even most recently as of season before this one where teams did it strategically and survived. And um, there was a lot of contention about that. And I'm glad we haven't had that so far this season, The whether it's honorable to take a penalty or not and all those things. But I will say, I mean, you saw Beverly frantically trying to get Franca to help her. It did not work very well. And I know that Franca was trying her best to kind of be like, nope, I'm just going to do my thing or I'm trying. She wasn't mean about it, but it was pretty awkward there for a little bit because you could sense that, Beverly just didn't know what to do. It felt it was a little bit and I don't want to make a comparison in terms of the teams, but it reminded me a little bit of like um, Nicole from Travis and Nicole Mm -hmm. trying to get Leo and Leo like hiding and running away and stuff and all that. It wasn't on that level, but we don't see this that often where a person is just really struggling Um, and especially in Canada where teams often help each other. But here you could tell it was just I don't blame Franca for not doing it. It's just, you know, because obviously Beverly and Veronica, a competitive team who really seem to want to do well, you're not going to probably want to help them at this point.
1: Yeah. And I I appreciate that Franco is in a tough position, too, because like you don't want to look bad and you don't want to make an enemy. And I feel like there could be like legitimate beef that started here over something that she's not obligated to do. And she. You could tell she really felt like kind of a jerk about it, but she didn't do anything wrong. She was running her own race and doing her own thing. And it was just like, I felt like Beverly couldn't take the hint that she wasn't going to get that help. And I I know that that's probably just because she was so frustrated. She couldn't like think clearly, but I don't think, you know, I, I think she came off worse in this exchange.
3: For sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and um, it's just tough because um, yeah, you, you, you think about it, and it's like Franca hadn't gotten it yet. <laughs> this was even a case where they finished, and she's like, like, because we had this happen um w- with the bikes last week, and actually Dennis and Darrell, where I thought it was going to come back to haunt them last week because they helped, and then all then nearly were like last, but you see teams where teams have been willing to help, but this was a case with the stress level, and even with just one fewer team as or you know as you start to narrow it down a little bit where um you can't keep doing that because you know these teams aren't first and second they're kind of in the middle and everybody's really close together
1: yeah it's not a point where like there are, there are times when it behooves you to help somebody like if you're both at the front of the pack and you both have to come up with the same answer It doesn't really hurt your game that much to like give the other team the answer on your way out because you're not in danger of getting eliminated. But it, at a point like this, the beginning of the leg where everybody's still very much bunched together, you could lose momentum on this and you'd be just screwed for the whole rest of the leg.
3: Yeah. And that kind of ended up happening with the team that was last, where I mean, they were a little bit behind already, but you saw teams, I mean, Cassie just really struggled with this. And um, was, you know, was a, was ended up being passed by both Cedric, who had never tied a knot in his life, which I don't totally understand. But and Kathy, who also did a pretty good job, both passed her. And so this what this was really I mean, with apologies to slide puzzles. And I know the last task was pretty hard, but this task played the biggest role in where everybody finished more than anything else. This is really kind of the. Um, tying knots on a simulated horse was the most important task to the to this this leg
1: it's really funny that some of the most unintelligent tasks ever end up being the ones that make the biggest difference and i appreciate the challenges that the editors face when that happens
3: yeah it's like how do we make this exciting a little bit like the bikes last week but Mm -hmm. even more where they they just want to get to the workout but it's like no we got to show what happened and we wanted to see that guy reading out of the book more, but all these teams went and did the bikes. So we have to do this. We wanted to hear about the all the various funny names, but no, they did that. So here, same deal. Everybody's got to do it. And um, not not the most throwing TV. But speaking of not throwing TV, I mean, I love seeing an amazing Canadian landscape, Jess. It it looks it looks gorgeous. I mean, down by the river, it's but teams by going by the river did a slide puzzle.
1: <laughs> well, I think this is something it has got to go on your list of things to practice, Dan, if you're ever going to go on the amazing race, it it's, you know, after you learn how to swim and drive a stick shift, I mean, put sliding puzzle on there because it happens enough times. It's an easy enough low budget thing to slot into the middle of a leg that you know something like that's probably gonna come your way at some point. So the great thing about slide puzzles is there is a trick to it. And if you know the trick, you can make pretty quick work of it.
3: I know how to swim. I cannot drive a stick shift and I am also very bad at slide puzzles. So when teams were struggling, I was like, Yep. Yeah. I mean, my daughters had some when I was a kid that were like very simple. And I would just be like, this is the most impossible thing I've ever done in my life. So I I sympathize, you know, but team most teams did okay. Um, I think Jesse and Marika is the highlight here for multiple reasons. Jesse ended up having to go sit in the corner down by the lake, <laughs> but which I enjoyed very much. Because again, he was so like Jesse. He's just like, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm a little frustrated. I'm gonna I'm gonna go <laughs> sit down here and um and then they got it and then they're so pumped and I love the way that he even when they thought they got it he was like that's a puzzle completed <laughs> and then the judge had to be like no no it's not and the the resolution was great too um and I I love it because he's so deadpan about everything.
1: Yeah. There, I- I feel like maybe there are more people like this in Canada, or maybe they just cast more of them in Canada. But I feel like there's somebody like this almost every season. I'm thinking back to Brian and Cynthia, who were like my favorite team on their season because they were so deadpan about literally everything. I think you need a deadpan person on your Amazing Race cast. And Amazing Race U.S. just doesn't appreciate how funny that can be.
3: Yeah, Joel, the, the dad from season yep, four, yep. was the same way. I think that was, yeah, the season three was Brian, but season four, it was yep. the same way. We're like, everything's crazy and everything. And he'd just be like, yeah, um, things are a little stressful right now. And I was just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. That's the same way. Jesse's like, okay, let's go. And then they like had to shift the one thing on the puzzle. Okay, let's go again. That's the highlight for me because everything else was Beverly and Veronica struggled again. But beyond that, it was mainly just let's look at a really cool location and have teams do different puzzles for each one. I appreciate this, Jess. Smart legs, at least in terms of that.
1: Yes, I, I. they've taken a lot of care to do that with a lot of these tasks where you ostensibly have to arrive at the same answer doing the same task, but they've managed to make it. I think this is analogous to the goat task where it's like counting goats is something that everybody has to do. And they, it would be very easy to make a task where everybody had to come up with the same number, but they managed to figure out a way that it doesn't. And this is the same thing. Like we'll give everybody a different picture. So you can't look at other people's for inspiration.
3: Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, I'm not saying they were watching season 32 of amazing race U S and doing this because I think on Canada, they generally have been pretty good about this overall before that. But it is kind of an easy way to kind of teams can align, but to stop kind of the weirdness of of no, I don't want to pick on thirty two too much, but that type of idea where teams are just able to, oh, we don't like, I mean let's say we don't like Beverly and Veronica, the three of us are going to work together or whatever, or you know something like that, it makes it where you might you can get some help, but you still got to do it.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate the ones where it might benefit you to work together. And working together is not the same thing as one team getting it and telling everybody else. Like you got to put the work and work together.
3: Yeah. Like they did last week with the detour where they all came up with the different, I just want to keep talking about that detour apparently, (laughs) but came up with the different fly fishing terms where that really made sense. If you felt comfortable to work together on that one, but other tasks um, are, but it's again, you can't just with 20 things, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to memorize the 20 and just tell you, it's not like counting steps or something like that. There's something else to it.
1: Right. Right. It's like everybody, everybody takes a piece of it and it all comes together.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So second
1: roadblock. With all Great time. Clue. Yeah. All time. Iconic <laughs> clue. Who is happy. They didn't have to do the first roadblock. Me. I'm happy. I'm happy. I didn't have to do it. Yeah. And I I also like it when they kind of spring a whammy on a person that chose not to do a roadblock. It's like, oh, it's almost like those ones where they ask you, um, you know, who's ready to go paragliding? And then the answer is like the person that that says they'll do it because their partner's afraid of heights. And it's like, oh, well, your part is you get to watch the paragliders from the ground and your partner will do the paragliding. It's that kind of thing. But this is you know, very clear way of saying, you know what? Each person has to do something this leg. So if you didn't do the other one, you know, if you're happy that you didn't get to tie knots, well, we got news for you. You got to do this other thing.
3: Yeah. And this was not that easy. I mean, some teams did, Brendan and Connor, did very well on it, but others weren't. I mean, there was a trick to it. It wasn't impossible. This wasn't one of those, just everyone crashes, but you could see the difference where, you know, you had teams that were able to make, These, but the bikes work, the adaptive bikes work very well. And then you had others that it took a while to figure out you got to drop the gear. If you just try and flip it, you're not going to go anywhere. And, you know, you had some really fun moments. I mean, with, I say fun moments, like, oh, the fun moments when the teams crashed. (laughs) But no, fun moments where it's like Nella crashing. And, you know, oh man, Julie, Julie's so much fun. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just, um, I am. I'm not happy that the other teams are gone, but I am enjoying Julie. And this, I mean, she's just, you know, come on, come on, and then didn't make it. And I was like, oh, this is not edited in the way I expected. But um, yeah, so there was some some challenge to it where it wasn't like the second person got to do something easy. It was just physical versus the knots, which are more um spatial in a way.
1: Right. Spatial plus like manual dexterity plus like hand toughness and or having lotion in stock. Um, <laughs> good job, Cedric. He, he was here for his teammate, Right teammates. there with got- the lotion. Yeah. <laughs> it's good they brought that. It's good they brought that. But yeah, I, I love that we have Julie back because, you know, Dan, just as we love the character on the race who's constantly at a three we also love the character who's constantly at an 11. And I feel like the other person who was like that was Craig and we've lost Craig. So we get Julie back and that kind of lessens the blow of that a little bit. Jesus lives.
3: Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, you know, Sing in the whole deal. And it's great. She can sing because the song she's singing are in the public domain. So we're good. We can do a lot of singing. It's wonderful. But, um, but yeah, so this task, I thought this was also interesting given that these were three wheel adaptive bikes. And this has been, these were invented by someone. I I did some research, Jess. This is something Mm. I can say. Not a lot. Don't, don't get too excited, everyone, but Christian bag, he was there giving out the clue. And unfortunately, I think he felt a little bad when teams were struggling so much, but um, I mean, how much,
1: much that (laughs) suck. Like they're like cursing your invention. Like this is so hard. What kind of (laughs) jerk invented something this hard? And he's like, yeah, that jerk right there, that guy.
3: Yeah. When Julie finally finished, because she had stopped a bunch of times and was like five seconds short, you could sense that he was like, I am so sorry that you have to do this. I'm so sorry, famous r&b singer of Canada, that you have to do this again. But just to give a little background, he actually had a snowboarding crash in 1996, and it put him into a wheelchair where he was paralyzed. And he was struggling where he couldn't even find like chairs that fit because he's very tall, he's 6'4. And started just building, working on designing and building adaptive equipment. And this is one of, this three-wheeled bike was one of his inventions and something that, you know, was obviously is very helpful for a lot of people. And his company is called Bowhead Corporation. And, um, you know, just, I think it's great that they're spotlighting this. And um, unfortunately, I had to show people struggling with it, but it it is something that That he, from his own experience, was able to put into good practice.
1: Yeah, I think that's really cool that they're able to highlight that story at this point and to have him there, I think, is really special. Um, Although I'm sure at some point they might have said, you know, maybe the next time you invent a bike, you can make it a little easier to pedal.
3: Yeah, let's not do it where the teams are going,
1: oh, they're trying to pedal it or something. I feel like maybe there was a mechanical trick to that as well. Like maybe they had it in the wrong gear. I think
3: so because really, you know, you have some of those where there's no margin for error and teams have literally everybody's going to be within a second. But Jameek at the end, first time just missed it, did like a minute 17 or something. And you had to go a minute 45. And some of the other ones were closer. And, but the fact that he was able, I know he was a former, you know, football player in Canada, but still there was a trick to it because if it had been that hard completely, no one could have finished. And I think everyone, I think there was a point where Julie was like, oh, I figured out the gears. And because in the beginning she couldn't even finish at all. She was just kind of, and Cedric did this too. You just kind of fall over because it's like, if you tried to go up a big hill on a normal bike and had it in like the hardest gear and you just stop. And that's what I feel like they probably did here.
1: Yeah. And you see Nella pushing the the handlebars of the bike really hard, like really throwing her weight on it in a way that felt like, no, she's not that much weaker than everybody else. Like something is up with the bike.
3: Yeah. But, um, but I appreciated this task one because it was different and um, spotlighted someone from the area who made a cool invention that really helps a lot of people. But overall, I mean, most of the teams I was thinking for a while that Julie wasn't going to make it, but it really ended up where there wasn't a lot. There was a little bit of movement with teams like Cedric and Deshaun moved up a bit, but most of the teams ended up in a similar place. Like even Jameek was unable to end up passing Veronica, though. It seemed like he might, given this Veronica was struggling. It was a rough leg for Beverly and Veronica. I have to say.
1: It really was. Um, I think the editing on this really suggested that Jamique made up a large amount of time with, by totally beasting the bike, but it did feel like, I don't think it was that much. I think maybe some of, some of Beverly and Veronica's difficulties may have been played up a little bit. Um, but yeah, they didn't, they didn't come off well for sure.
3: Yeah, because it didn't seem like it wasn't. I don't think there was a like a foot race really to the end, and it was similar actually to um, how it seemed to be last week, where the show really tried to play up Cassie and Jameek Um, again, you know, like at the workout, Jameek doing the roadblock again last time, being like, "I've got this. I'm gonna nail this," and he did pretty well, we think. But um, you didn't get the sense when they came into the mat again, they knew they were last. There was not any question about where they were going to finish. So I think I think there was a decent spread, especially between those last few teams.
1: Yeah, I would love to Like again. I wish they would show the departure times in the next leg so we can get a sense of how much time there was. And I miss that. You know, the race used to do that all the time and they don't really do that anymore.
3: I will say they this leg. It didn't really help us because I was very curious after what we talked about last week about the departure times. And because uh, we were thinking they were all way close together. The thing that, that doesn't help us this leg is they seem to penalize Cassie and Jamique and Julian Cathy a bit more. But the first five teams this week start are left between 542 AM and 617. So the top five, which were not even the top five last week, they were actually the top seven last week because Frank and Nella were seventh and they ended up fifth. We're all 35 minutes apart. So that at least gives you from last week. It shows you how close they were. And um, you're right. They don't always show it, but I'll keep an eye out for it if they do, because um, it seems like it's pretty close.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of things this season. I, I don't think there's a lot of margin for error anywhere on this race, to be honest.
3: Yeah. So I, I wanted to mention one thing. Brendan and Connor win the leg, <laughs> win a trip to Brantle Series and and Jess. Another $1,500 to Marshalls. I
1: love Marshalls,
3: Dan. (laughs) $6,500 to Marshalls they've got already.
1: Man, like that's, that's like Marshalls for life. That is a lifetime. You know how they used to win free gas for life. This is like free Marshalls for life. And I, I I, I swear they are told to say, I love Marshalls every time they get that card.
3: Yeah. And um, I got to tell you, I've never seen so many Marshall's commercials as I have in the past three weeks. That's all I'm going to say. That guy, there's one guy who's buying a skirt. Thinks it's breezy. I'm very familiar with what he's doing because I've seen that ad many
1: times. And yeah, <laughs> Marshall's and, is getting a lot of advertisement. Yeah. Dude, your throw pillow goes great with your chair, um, <laughs> ma'am. You are just the right age to pull that dress off. Yeah. And that woman for winners too. That
3: dress that talks to her, it's such a weird commercial. Not to go off of commercials too far, but Marshall's is, um, they're getting their money's worth, I think.
1: Yeah, they absolutely are. And you know what? There's a Marshall's like three blocks from my apartment, so they'll probably get some business from me at some point.
3: I drove by one the
1: other day. I was like, oh, Marshall's great. You know, excellent. Winner's less likely to get my business because they don't have those down here. but. You know, if I ever pass one, I'll probably go in. Try and find that dress. (laughs) Yes. I just listen for it.
3: Um, Anything else? What do you think of the task this week overall? I mean, or just because I feel like it's similar to how what we've been talking about.
1: I mean, a little low budget for the most part. The adaptive bike is probably the the MVP of the episode. And certainly like something with ties to the region, ties to the outdoorsiness of it all. And to have the inventor there to highlight it as well as Julie's story. I feel like all of those things together really elevate the episode kind of above the pack. Um, but the rest of them, I can kind of take or leave.
3: Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. I wanted to mention for sure about Julie's sister because, um, for her understandably so that, um, that that was an, again, another motivating factor along with their moms that they're kind of doing the race for, but for that particular task, that that was something that you could tell she was trying to draw on to when she was really struggling and felt bad that she had talked about how she was doing this for her sister and then wasn't able to do it. And, um, you could tell at 11 that, um, she was really feeling it near the end.
1: Yeah, she definitely, she feels her feelings all the way. And that's, <laughs> that's why we love having her on the race.
3: One more thing I want to point out about this. There was a great editing moment where you had Nella going, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. The next shot is the editor cuts to Franca. Who's like, she's getting so tired. <laughs> and I was I was like, good job. Basic race editors. That was fantastic. But, um, yeah. Um, overall though, um, not elimination leg. Um, so Cassie and Jameek are getting some breaks here. So we will see if they can rebound. Uh, I hope so but we'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you can you can see that there are strengths that they have that um, sometimes come into play. And I think if they get the right combination of things, they could be contenders again. But right now, I think they they rightly observe that the other teams are going to be a little salty that they keep getting a reprieve.
3: And John also changed it by, he did not say, so what happened out there? He said, this is the end. And right when he paused, I went, oh yeah, I know where this is going. This is the end of this leg of the race, Jess. What do you think of this
1: variation from John? I don't think he fooled anybody. That's what I <laughs> no, think. He did not. <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, I wanted to call attention to the greeter, um, who is a, uh, he's a Paralympic athlete. And the, I, he had a great moment where when Jesse and Marika roll up, because this is their hometown, it is a town of 14,000 people. They clearly like they're friends with the guy because, you know, he is a Nordic skier and um is he a Nordic? Yeah, Nordic, right? Um and so are Biathlon, they? yes. Biathlon, yeah. Yes. So biathlon is like half of their event. Like half of biathlon is what they do all the time. So I think if you cross country ski in Canmore, it's probably not a huge population of people. So I was not surprised that they're like, oh hey man, what's up?
3: And John's like, "This is the greatest moment in the history of the show. We've got all these Olympians. John was just so happy, but yeah I know Just Jesse, of course, just like, oh, yeah, I saw you you know we we hung out last week, yeah, you know, hey, hey, what's up? How's the family just, just <laughs> all good, John's like, we got a show to do here. Let's go
1: yeah i I think that's probably i think it probably happens more often on Amazing Race Canada than it would on another country's Amazing race, but it is it is funny when they end up with a little bit of home field advantage in that regard, so I think I don't think anything on this particular leg favored Jesse and marika all that much, and it didn't seem like navigation was gonna be a concern at all, but um, it just it kind of cracked me up,
3: yeah, and also too, Unfortunately, I think having this greeter though may have i mean they could still use the greeters. But it did vary from the first three in terms of we were thinking some sort of memory task. So this is kind of a a shift from the show in terms of what they were doing with the greeters.
1: It was a shift, but they did do a land acknowledgement at the top of the legs. So I think they're continuing that. It just may not be something they do like diegetically within the race.
2: So
1: I'm happy if they continue to do that. Um, It's just it's probably doesn't have much bearing on a memory task. So I think that brings us up to the end of the leg. And I think we want to get to some questions, Dan. But before we do that, let's just take a minute and hear from our sponsors. All right. And we're back. So now it's time to tackle some of our listener questions. And we got a lot of great questions. Um, We put out the call for questions on Twitter and on Facebook and sometimes questions come up in our RJP Discord as well. So if you're on any of those platforms, get at us and ask us questions. And, you know, I want to give a special shout out to friend of the podcast, CTV's Blue Check account that favorited Dan's tweet asking for questions about the episode. And the only thing that could have made that better is if they had asked a question themselves.
3: <laughs> They'd asked, you know... <laughs> they'd be like so what'd you think of this like oh it was, it was wonderful thanks so much thanks so much ctv yeah. we what we're glad you're out there
1: how great was this how great was this episode that we put on for you so great ctv thank you thumbs up two thumbs up
3: <laughs> uh well first question from Lynn's on twitter Ask, is this the first time in race history that featured an adaptive challenge, the bike task? Could we see more in future seasons now that it's happened once? She has a brother with a disability, so she loves seeing this task.
1: I feel like, Dan, I feel like we've seen them on Amazing Race US in the past, but I couldn't come up with a specific instance of one. So I'm going to go ahead and say that it probably is the first time in race history that we've seen a challenge that's explicitly featuring an adaptive device like this.
3: Yeah. Same here. I couldn't remember either, but, um, I figure maybe, but I feel like I'm not sure if in the past it was even highlighted in the same way that this was like, this was really highlighted well. And, um, you know, I, I like Mazer X Canada typically does, did a good job of spotlighting both the person who invented the uh, bike, but also the bike itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Um, we, we touched on this a bit at the top of the episode, but A.M. on Twitter phrased this really well, so I want to read this out. Um, of course, the show made the right call with the teams, but I'm feeling like I needed a heads up or preparation. This quick rip the bandaid off in the first minute has left me reeling. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'm not sure how I wanted the show to handle it, but it felt like just a quick by the way and then nothing. Whole complexion of the show changed with no comment. I'm still feeling weird about it.
3: Yeah, this is kind of what I was getting at earlier when I talked about 34 seconds. And again, I don't know what the right amount of time was to do this or, you know, and also it's like, you know, I remember in the U.S. they didn't do it on the show, but on social media, they had put out kind of a video with people explaining where they were and everything else. So um, I mean, obviously, this makes me wonder, too, about teams maybe returning. But in general, I feel like it was a little odd. Like, I, I, I don't know if what they could have done, if I, if they could have, I don't know if they probably couldn't have had an interview, but it, it seemed like the way that they kind of, I mean, John was very respectful, but the way that then it said, and the race continues and the music kicked in right away. And I was like, like I said, I was like, reeling is a really good way to put it, where it just seemed a little too quick. And it's a pretty big moment in that you basically swap two teams in for three teams that, that were in there. I mean, it was a lot and I wish I mean, this is why I'm not in TV production. I don't know what the right move was, but it did seem just a little too fast.
1: Yeah, and I think the fact that it was so many teams at once and this was the problem with the last last season of US too. I we had we were primed by the previous episode to know that like something was happening with one of the teams and they were likely somebody was getting removed for a reason that wasn't getting eliminated at the end of a leg. and. Then to find out that it was like way more teams than you thought it was like I, we thought maybe with US we thought it was like maybe two at most and it ended up being four. And here it was like I thought it's probably one team and it ended up being three. I think it's just like the thing that had me reeling was exactly how many it was that are just gone with no closure on there. Like I, I, I think I would have liked to have seen like even just like have them. Dial in from quarantine and say, hey, I wish we wish it had gone longer. We're really sad about having to miss it, especially I think as um, as Ringo on Twitter noted, this is especially hard to stomach given Catherine's health and how this experience is being robbed from her. And I agree, like how rough is that? She had such a great story and it was like every minute out there is something to treasure. And oh, you get fewer minutes than you than you wanted."
3: Right. Because in theory, you could say, well, maybe they could bring them back in a future season, which um, I think they would likely do, assuming, you know, again, that my theory is not correct. But with her situation, it's like, I hope they could bring them back in a future season, you know. But unfortunately, you just I mean, I don't know. anything. I'm just saying you don't know. You know, there's a lot of question marks. Another thing, too. Uh, uh, well, one thing I want to think of, too, before I mention the next question is it makes me think of when the Bopper was not able to compete in Amazing Race 24 And granted that season is not to be used as an example of a great season and having to bring in Mallory was tough, but they did take a moment at least to have to get, they gave him a moment and I know I'm not saying they should have had that weird moment with Phil and the doctors and all that was a little strange, but at least there was a moment there with the person and seeing them kind of interact. And that's where your example, I think might've made sense where at least we maybe see them for a moment But again, I don't know the logistics that could happen, but that might have made it feel different.
1: Yeah, I I think. Well, and they did something kind of similar on U.S. where when Phil shut down production, like he calls everybody out and he's like, you know, as you know, this is a thing that's happening. I almost feel like maybe instead of having John tell us, maybe John should have told the other teams.
3: That's an interesting idea. Yeah. And Andrew McCaskill brought up a point and said, do you think it would have been better if they had moved the reveal to the end of the previous leg? And um, so they had, we had a week to digest the info and kind of knew about it. And that's kind of, I mean, how it worked, even if you didn't know, like we, we knew just knowing a little bit about what was going to happen with us, not all the teams, but that it was going to happen. But people that were just watching it fresh, at least had seen that. So it wasn't completely just up in the air. We're here. All they said was an eliminated team returns. They showed um, Julie and Kathy and then, but there was no indication from the preview or anything that it was something like this.
1: Which honestly I loved because I loved how much speculation we had to do. I loved going in with no clue about what was about to happen. Um, I just think that maybe Maybe I wanted to see that information dropped on us a little more gently. Like, I think they I think the timing was okay. I don't necessarily want to sit on three teams are going out due to covid. And what are we going to do about it? I think they gave us the right information at the end of the last leg. I think they just could have done the beginning of this leg a little differently.
3: Well, right. I was anticipating this more than um, the other episodes, just because like you go to start and you're like, I have no idea. Normally, you go in thinking, okay, you know, they're going to have a leg of the Amazing Race. I kind of get it. Coming into this, I was like, I have no idea what's about to happen. All I know is Julie and Kathy are going to be doing something on a bike. I didn't really know anything else. So, like, and it gave us we, you know, we (laughs) gave us a great podcast material last week too, because there's just so many different things it could have been. COVID seemed likely, but you really had no idea. So that is a good point because uh, the sense of anticipation was definitely up much higher than most legs or most episodes.
1: Yeah. Give us some unanswered questions because that's, you know, that's kind of how we, that's kind of what we do around here is we speculate. And if there's nothing to speculate about, then what, why are you guys even here listening to this?
3: Yeah. It's like our speculation would be, can Cassie and Jamie get out of last place? Something you know, it's like, yes, there's going to be a bus thing, or there's going to be something, there's going to be two side up boards, and you know, we know what's going to happen. There's going to be guru energy, they're going to drink it, but beyond that, it's like, um, this is an entirely different thing. Not again, not that I want that COVID to be involved at all, but some unknowns, um, can be okay sometimes. Yeah.
1: Uh, related to guru energy, I did like Brennan and Connor being like super jazzed about drinking guru energy first thing in the morning. And also, Dan, yeah, nobody is drinking the guru energy. They're putting it up to their mouths, but nobody I've not seen anybody swallow that yet.
3: I think I saw either Beverly, I think it was Veronica, at least had one, uh, maybe took a drink like, you know, she was waiting a long time at the nods, But, you know, if a team's taking a drink, the camera's like. Oh, <laughs> like zooming in on it. So, you know, I still feel like um, and, you know, here's what we heard, too. There was a revelation to us, which I realized Guru Energy is not just in Canada. There's Guru Energy sold here in St. Louis, Missouri. I have not had it yet, but um, I'm inclined to do that at some point. I need to start like I don't go to grocery stores as much, but um, we need to, to focus on this a bit, Jess.
1: Dan, the next time you're in a grocery store and you see that you got to buy it for science um I, I will point out i can, you can get a four pack on amazon for 12.99 if you want to have it shipped to you in like the most waste, wasteful wasteful <laughs> unenvironmental thing possible um but oh that, that's a great great um task for me to do
3: i don't know if i'll do it by next week but um i may be visiting a few grocery stores um beyond just for us to have food but also for this because um how bad can it really be? Because I don't love energy drinks. Like, you know, to me, a lot of them end up tasting kind of like Mountain Dew, sometimes sweeter. They're all like sugar bombs. But I wonder if Guru is also like that, where it's just like it's like drinking like Kool-Aid, but even stronger.
1: I went on our grocery delivery website to see if I can get it. And um, it thought I thought I meant guac. So I'm gonna say <laughs> I can't get it here in New York. Um, but if I see it somewhere. I'll definitely buy it and I will try it for science and I'll probably end up like pouring the rest down the sink before my son gets a hold of it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting though. This is, this is what we do for the podcast though. we, we do the hard work.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, you know, that's what we're That's what we're here for.
3: <laughs> so any other, I'm looking at this. Oh, so mama's picky to brought this up. So this is a couple of things. They won the greeter marker. Ren's, got to do what she described as the low yonder, which is the pointing at the teams. He only has one arm too, but also I've never heard that called for me. I call it the, Hey, there's Phil pointing, which was where I originally saw it, where they try and make it seem closer than it is. And John has picked that up, but I never heard it called the low yonder. It's
1: perfectly described. I knew exactly what they meant by the low yonder moment. Um, I think John does it a little bit more like he puts a little bit more of a lampshade on it than Phil does. Like, I don't think Phil does it every time, but I feel like sometimes I get the sense and, you know, having spent some time with Phil talking to Phil, I'm sure he's perfectly fine to hang out with. Um, if you are the Matt greeter, but I also get the sense that between takes, he's probably off at craft services or he's like in his trailer or, so far as he has a trailer. Whereas I think if you are the greeter on amazing race, Canada, I think John Montgomery stays out there on the mat with you the entire time talking your ear off. So when he points, when he points at something or he tells you to point at something like you are really interacting with him in that moment.
3: <laughs> yeah. You can tell even with the judges and with everyone else that, um, I mean, he's playing, he's obviously dials it up a bit for the camera, but I don't get the impression yeah, that John is, especially because John is on season eight and Phil is on season 33. I mean, they're they're not that I expect John would ever, you know, they're different people. They have different personalities. But John still, I think, is on, has that um, I still, I can't believe they let me host the show feeling to him. And I think that carries over probably to how he interacts with people at the pit stop or even um, judges and everyone else because um, he still has that that vibe to him that I know is a lot if you're not used to it, but I find really enjoyable.
1: Yeah. I I think he's just so stoked to be there all the time. And I, I treasure that about him. I I love that. He still does most of the tasks. So yeah. Yeah,
3: Including the bike today. Including Including the bike 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 today.
1: I mean, that was just something like, and I think half the time it's not even that the production tells him to do it. It's like he's introducing the tasks. He's like, that looks really cool. Can I try it?
3: Yes, there are elements of it that um, there are things like he didn't tie the knot. You know, he's not going to stoop to that. But anything that involves like more adrenaline or like getting up high, like that sounds weird. But being up high altitude is very um, and very impressive when he does all that. And I really like that for the show.
1: Yeah, I like his enthusiasm is definitely contagious. And I, I think you can also like. I feel like it's a reliable gauge of am I going to enjoy watching this task if John actually takes a stab at doing the task? If he doesn't bother to try, it's like, oh, I can probably I can probably pay less attention to this one.
3: John's not doing the slide puzzles. That's what I will tell you.
1: John doesn't (laughs) do any math.
3: (laughs) No, you don't see him like counting goats. He's just going to hang out. He likes to hang out with owls, but, you know, he's not doing the sounds. so well. Might try to do that. But still, he's definitely doing the sounds. (laughs) He did that off screen. They cut that part out. But um, do we have any other questions that you think we need to do?
1: Um, I want to give a shout out to John. John, he had a funny question that I think is a good one to close on. Um, of the two teams returning, who's gonna be the rune and Natalia?
3: Well, you know, for Team Dan, I would love to say Cassie and Jamique. But um, I'll say that because I do feel like they're getting because Aruna and Natalia had some not, times when they could have been eliminated, had non elimination legs, you know, got eliminated. Um, so I think Cassie and Jamique are still more likely, but I would not be shocked if Julian and Kathleen reveal real skills we might not have expected. They'd have Kathy was good on the knots today. They might surprise us, but I think odds are it's probably more likely Cassie and Jamaica.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring teams back, I don't want to see those teams go out again right away. So yes. I i I think if we get two Aruna Natalias out there, I'm not going to be bad at that for sure.
3: Um, I will tell you that Whole Foods in St. Louis appears to have Guru Energy. Now it's probably $100. They don't say the price, but Whole Foods has Guru Energy drinks. So we'll see. Stay tuned.
1: I can't wait, Dan. Whole Foods in New York probably does as well. The next time I'm walking by one, but I, you know, in New York, it's one of those things where your random beverage is probably more likely to be found in some bodega in a neighborhood you never go to. And then you happen to walk in there and it's like, Oh, there's my cucumber lime Gatorade or (laughs) whatever beverage it is you're looking for. So if I see guru, it's going to be in like, it's going to be in like a random bodega in front of like the bus stop at 135th street or something
3: yeah that I think that's not as likely here here I'll probably i don't really go there, but you could probably find it at Walmart you know <laughs> but I'm just saying <laughs> but you know we'll we'll see um exciting stuff ahead for the show and of course most importantly for us
1: yes, and so speaking of exciting stuff, Dan, what else is going on in your world?
3: Well, I host a theme park podcast called the smart society podcast um working on some fun episodes coming up very soon, interview shows and others relating to Walt well, Disney world universal, a lot of other parks. You can find that at tomorrow's com.
1: Awesome stuff. Dan. Um, I don't have anything else going on for me right now. It's kind of a fallow period, although walking dead is coming back in a couple of weeks and there's a lot going on. We got new series dropping and apparently the news from comic con is, very encouraging. People seem to be excited about this stuff. It's trending on Twitter and everything. So I will be back covering that with my panel of usual suspects with Josh Wigler and Chappelle and AJ mass. Once that starts up again, I believe August 17th is the premiere of the, of the final season fragment or tales of the walking dead or something. You know, I podcast about this stuff. I'm supposed to know. And I don't, um, i I've, I've been on kind of podcast hiatus. It's, Amazing Race Canada and nothing for me right now. And I kind of like it that way. Um, but there's a lot going on in the RJP universe. And I wanted to especially call attention to uh, one really excellent podcast in the Rehap Up universe. Uh, we have A Perfect Match, a Married at First Sight podcast. Um is the new branding for our married at first sight rehab up and co-hosts Asia Welch and Jason Reed are back to discuss season 15s taking place in San Diego. They discuss each episode weekly with humor and healthy dose of skepticism. But Dan, what is this show anyway? So married at first sight, is about strangers trusting a group of experts to find their spouse. 10 brave singles meet their spouse at the altar, creating five couples that go on an eight week journey through, so much math. Why is there so much math, Dan? <laughs> through the wedding, honeymoons, living together, and then finally decision day where they will decide to stay married or get divorced. Drama, comedy, love, everything in between. Whether you watch the show or not, Asia and Jason will hold your hand through it all with amazing guests along the way. Subscribe to their feed at com slash first site feed. Their pod is also available in the Reality TV Rehap Ups feed, which may be the feed where you're finding us. We're in two feeds. We're in this and we're in the Amazing Race feed. So either way, we're happy that you're here, however you are here and we would love it if you wanted to leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice that helps other people find the podcast um and it helps us out we like the ego boost as long as it's a good review if it's a bad review you can keep that to yourself um unless it's constructive we like constructive criticism too you can also get at us on twitter you can reach me at haymaker hattie you can reach dan at the dan heaton and we love hearing from you as you're watching the show Uh, you don't have to worry about spoiling us you know we're not going to watch it till wednesday but it said occupational hazard we go into the show knowing approximately what happened and that's okay i really didn't this week though like i was kind of following the tweets we were getting but i still i went into it and i was still shocked at how it was handled and what came out of it and who was gone it was it was upsetting um I don't think that knowing anything about it beforehand lessened that impact for me. So, yes, please tweet at us with all your questions over the course of the week. We love hearing from you and it just definitely does make the podcast a lot better. So I think that brings us to the end of our program, Dan. Um, Thank you very much for being here with me as always.
3: Yes, I'm still reeling for the fact married at First Sight has 15 seasons. That's really that's really sidetracking me here, but. It was fun, and I'm really curious to see where Amazing Race Canada is going the rest of the season. I think it's going to be pretty unpredictable.
1: That's uh, that's how we like our Amazing Race, Dan, unpredictable. So thanks to everybody behind the scenes. Thanks to Hannah, Chelsea, Tricky, Scott, and everybody else. Thanks to Rob for letting us continue to do this madness. Thanks to you, our listeners, and we'll see you next week.